Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Meryl Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and also CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. So Meryl, we had an initial consult yesterday with a gentleman who his dad is living in a condo here in Denver, and they are now moving him into assisted living and wanted to sell the condo. And they met with a realtor to find out what needed to be done to the condo and list it. And as the realtor was doing his research, uh, looking at the existing deed, informed uh, the fellow that we met with yesterday, we'll call him Bill, informed Bill that there may be some issues with the deed and it doesn't look like his dad actually owns the condo and suggested that they meet with an attorney to get it cleaned up before they could list the condo. So met with Bill, he brought in a quick claim deed from 1994 in which Bill's mom had quick claimed to Bill and his three siblings, the ownership in this condo and reserving to mom a life estate. And so this deed was recorded in 1994. Uh, Mom lived in the condo until she passed away in 1999, Bill continued, or Bill's father, no, Bill, we called it Bill. Bill continued to live in the condo, is moving out now. So Bill and his three siblings own this condo. Mom had a will from 1996 that said when she dies, her interest in the condo goes to Bill And if the condo is sold, the funds are used to care for Bill until he dies and anything that's left is split among the other three siblings. Yeah. And so the will is completely useless because the asset transferred title because of the deed, which supersedes the will. Right. And mom didn't own anything at her death because all she had on the property was a life estate. Right. And a life estate means that you have kept the right to use the property during your life, but at the moment you die, it evaporates and there's nothing left to give at death because you have given that interest during your life when you signed the life estate. Right. And and so with the gentleman that we met with yesterday, he of course had a lot of questions. Why didn't his grandmother's will apply? Who owns the property now? What do we do to sell the property? Um, and, and just kind of walking through that, what was interesting to me, Meryl, and you don't know why it happens because you weren't involved, but it was the same attorney, we can tell from the documents that we were provided, the same attorney prepared the quit claim deed that prepared the will. Oh, stop. Yeah. So, you know, my, when I was having the conversation with the potential client and he asked, how does this happen? I don't know. I wasn't there either. In my mind, the attorney didn't remember the quick claim deed from 14 months before. <laughs> you know, like best case scenario, that's what happened. Or they didn't know what they were doing. You don't know, but it, it's what we have now. That attorney is 
since passed away. So we won't get the answers to those questions. But now we have four owners of property. We thought, I found out from the client yesterday, of those four siblings that own the property, two have passed away and two are still alive. The two that passed away have kids. And, and this quick claim deed was in, as, in, as tenants in common, not in joint tenancy. <sighs> so each sibling's interest passed according to their will or the laws of intestate succession if they didn't have a will. Um, the, there's also a, a transfer deed in the middle of that where one of the siblings, as trustee of her revocable trust, transferred her interest to her children, but her trust didn't own anything. So we're working through that. Um, that sibling, fortunately, is still alive, so it might be fixable. But yeah, I had to advise this potential client yesterday that someone, whether it's him as an interested party or the children of the deceased siblings, has to open a probate for those two deceased siblings to transfer title before the property can be listed and sold. Crystal, I'm, I can appreciate this more than you know. Um, several years ago, we had a probate in, in our office, and it was a piece of land in the panhandle of Florida, which used to just be a bunch of um, pine trees in the middle of nowhere. So the very far ancestor died and left a piece of land and the title had never been cleared up then. And she left it, you know, through the intestacy statute, it went to her children. And then through various generations, it now was owned by 59 people or would be owned by 59 people, except that there'd never been a clearing up to get it to the 59 people. So we had to do multiple, multiple probates to clear up this land. Why? Because since that land used to just be scrubland, it's now right near the hot spots in the panhandle of Florida, and it's now worth a ton of money. And one of the great, great, great grandsons had been offered someone wanted to buy it from them and he offered to try to clean up the mess so that they could sell it and get everybody some money. Well, you know what it's like dealing with multiple generations of family and everybody has an opinion, but nobody wants to put out any cash. So it was quite the mess. So, you know, it, it comes up all the time. Um, in fact, I had clients in the other day that where the mother and the father had separate trust-based plans, which was very common, you know, even 15 years ago because the tax laws were, we were trying to keep the money from being subject to the estate tax at the first death and the second death. So we would have separate estate plans and the house was owned, the homestead was owned half by mom's trust and half by dad's trust. And then dad died and the, the, house was supposed, his half was supposed to go into his bypass trust, but it never got cleaned up. And then the mother recently died and it, there's, it's just going to be a mess to clean this up. It's just, it's so much more efficient and so much less expensive to clean up a title right away than it is to push it off to the next group of people. But yeah, and you know, yeah, and, well, and, and what's unfortunate here, and what I was explaining to the the potential client, I understand his frustration. His grandmother, his dad's mom, used an attorney to do all of this, 
and it still didn't play out the way everyone expected it would or thought it did. Right. Um, and so now these funds that were supposed to be used to care for Bill are now going to be split five, six or more ways. Yes. Um, and we have a situation where six people are going to have to agree on a realtor, agree on a sales price, yes. agree yeah. on all that, unless they will appoint someone to represent them. Um, but it, as you have experienced too, once people see that they have unexpected money coming to them, their attitudes change. Yeah. And, and yes. so I, I feel bad for this family. Well, and on the other hand, I have, I have another set of clients. It's a, it's the mother, the father and four children, and they own several pieces of real estate in, you know, like one of them owns this piece and two of them own that, that piece and all of them own this piece. And it's just this big, crazy quilt of ownership. And they're trying to clear it up so that one owns this and one owns that. I mean, they're trying to do all the right things mm-hmm. and they don't, I, I've been trying to explain to them that, that they, all they want to do is just like swap deeds. And I said, well, we've got to think this through because that's going to create a taxable event because you know, it's going to be treated as a sale or we got to, or it's going to be treated as a gift and we've got to file all these returns and they don't understand why they're going to have to file any type of return and what the difference is between treating it as a sale or a gift. And it's just, um, it's way more complicated than it ought to be to try to clean this up later. And I'm just glad the clients finally come in so we can help them because it is frustrating and expensive. Yeah. And, and, and talking to the potential client yesterday, his question was, what could have, what, what could have we done? What should have we done different? And I, I kind of know, but I don't know because I wasn't there when it all played out. But a sit down when mom died in 1999 with the will and everything else and have that conversation that this is what the will says, but this is what the deed says. But you have to get in front of the right attorney and, and stressing as we always do. It's so important when doing estate planning or doing estate administration that you meet with an attorney who practices in that area predominantly and not a family friend who's a litigator, a PI attorney. Those attorneys are really, really great at what they do, but there are so many nuances to trust in estate administration and estate planning that it's important to meet with somebody with all the documents and all the information in front of them and in front of you. Um, But Crystal, that's really unfair because the client had a lawyer draft the deed and a client had the lawyer draft the will. And, you know, there's got to be some responsibility on the professional side to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing in this area of law. So I'm going to send you to somebody who will do it right. Instead of practicing what they call threshold law, which is anybody who crosses across the threshold, we can do it. I don't like that. I think that is such a, a, an unfair thing. Um, you know, we don't, we don't prepare real estate deeds in our firm at all anymore because I realized that attorney Joseph Siegel here in Orlando prepares deeds better, faster, quicker, and cheaper than we ever will. He's a real estate attorney who does things beautifully. So we outsource all of our deeds to Joe Siegel's office if we can. 
we don't draft any of them here. Why? He's better at it than I am. Why should the lawyer, why the poor, the clients don't know who's good at something. It's us up to us as professionals to say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. And I'm going to send you to somebody who's really good at that instead of trying to keep it all in here. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And, and told the potential client yesterday, it's his grandmother thought she was doing everything she was supposed to do. And she was, you have to assume told, this is what you need to do. Uh, by someone who it appears shouldn't have been giving that advice or practicing in that area without at least consulting with somebody else. Right. Right. I think I told you that a couple weeks ago I had, in a, in a, in a two week period, we ended up getting four wills in our office, none of which we prepared, but we were getting ready to do the probates and None of these, the the four that I'm talking about, not one of them had a residuary clause, meaning, for example, one said my brokerage account goes to this child and my piece of property in um, a statue of Florida goes to this other child. And that was all it said. And that one was homegrown and it didn't say, and the rest of everything goes, you know, where it goes. But of those Three of them were prepared by attorneys. Only one of them was homegrown. There is no excuse for an attorney to prepare a will when they don't even know that they have to have a residuary clause. It just, it makes me crazy. But I could talk about that forever because, you know, I'm this much from crazy. Right. But those clients thought- It's a short trip for me. Short trip to crazy. (laughs) But those- those clients who have passed away and and now their estates being probated, they thought they had a good document because they were told right. by an attorney, right. this is what you need. Right, right, and that's that's really the the burden uh, that we, as the good estate planning attorneys, or good attorneys that do what they do in, in forever, but in particularly in estate planning, the clients don't know that their attorney didn't know what they were doing until it's too late. Right. Generally, I mean, because it right. comes to light when we go to to administer the estate, and you're like, "Oh man, you know, the, your your client did a lady. Uh, I'm sorry, and a uh, life estate deed in '84, and then she did a will in '86, and the will in '86 did not, you know, does not trump the deed. The deed trumps the will, and it, that's the clients are like, "What are you talking about? The same lawyer did it. They should know that, and they're right." Remember. Great advisors work with each other. Contact us at taxbosses.com with any questions, ideas, or if you'd like to be on the show.